very good morning to each and every one of you. Thank you, Mr. Chang-kun, for the introduction. It is estimated that 70% uh, people of the world have some kind of religious belief, and the remaining 30% uh, do not believe in the existence of God. If today you don't have any religious belief in your life, what will you pursue in life? You need to ask yourself these questions. You will want to probably pursue ideals in life which consist of the true, the good, and the beautiful. So this chart is in 2010. So 2015. I think they are not not much uh, difference. How do we determine what is true, good, and beautiful from the human point of view? Is there a standard or benchmark that we can measure what is true, good, and beautiful? I believe true, good, and beautiful can be measured by the laws and principle of divine revelation as made known in the inspired writings of the Bible. We know that scientific truth is discovered by experiments. But religious truth is not discovered by experiments. It comes by revelations from God. What is true? What can we know and how can we know that we know is actually true? You know, when you go to court, uh, you always say, I shall speak the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Am I right? So, I hope there's a question that you ponder all the days of your life as regard to truth. Do we believe in the existence? Do we believe in God? It's a true, uh, it's a true statement from the Bible. We know that the universe is not an accident. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And human beings do not come by evolutions. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27 says that Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created man, male and female, he created them. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out, formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living being. The Bible contains several Great truths and God has made Himself known to us in several ways. Romans chapter 1, through the create uh, the reality of creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says that for since the creation of the world, his invincible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So we know that. Truly, when you look at nature, 
God has left his fingerprints all over nature. Acts 7, Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heaven declares the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handy works. Psalms 8.3.4 When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Through his miracles, God brings out the Israelites from Egyptian bondage through his miracles. You can read from Exodus chapter 7, verse 5 there, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And in the book of John, John in John chapter 20, verse 30 says, And truly Jesus did, did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Through his sons, Jesus, or we call the Emmanuel, and his eternal nature. This morning, I want to read, I want to bring you to look at two specific, two specific Christian words, which belongs to those who know the Bible. Number one is Emmanuel. This has a profound. Uh, this, this has a profound um, theological meaning because Emmanuel is a great message for all mankind. It is connect to, connected to all of us. It would be a great pity if we do not know. If we were to do an online uh, keyword search on Emmanuel, it appeared twice in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and chapter 8, verse 8. And once it appeared in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. So if you look, if you just look according to the number of times it appears, it doesn't appear, doesn't seem to be many. But from the point of salvation, from, from the point of salvation from our sins, it is a different story altogether. And it is of utmost importance. The angel announced in the New Testament of the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, is in the Old Testament, is referring to Jesus Christ. The name for Jesus is Emmanuel. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, because of the name Emmanuel, are seamlessly connected with one another. So let us put the two scriptures in Isaiah and Matthew together. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 to 23, But while he, he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God 
with us. So the scriptures clearly point out that Emmanuel means God with us. So you can see that, brethren and friends, the name Emmanuel in Hebrew means God is with us. And the prophecy finds its fulfillment in the birth of Christ. This is apparent from the fact that this child is later identified as mighty God in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So you can read from the scriptures, inspired Apostle Matthew, who further declares that the meaning of Isaiah 7.14 by acknowledging that it is fulfilled by the lost birth in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. So by the use of the name Emmanuel for Christ, we can know at least two things. First, this God came down from heaven to become man so as to be able to identify with us. And second thing is, Jesus is a divine being. He is God. We know that God is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. So in order for God to be with us, for people to see him with their own eyes, to touch him, to touch him with their own hands, to feel his presence, the most direct way is for God to become man, dwells among men, and lives amongst men. And this morning I will introduce the second Christian plastic words, which means the word became flesh. The Gospel of John in the beginning magnificently described Jesus Christ and word as two in one. We read John chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. When we speak about the relationship between word and time, Word was before time. That the time was beyond time and come into time. At last, the word will end all time. Word was before time because in the beginning was the word. Word set the time because this word created the world and all things there is in it. Word was beyond time because he is the Alpha and Omega, he is the beginning. And the end in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Word come into time because Jesus Christ is the Word. Become flesh. Come into human history. And behold, in John chapter 1, verse 14, says that, And the Word become flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And at last, the world will end all time because when Jesus Christ comes the second time, 
Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says that, But the heavens that now are and the earth by the same word have been stored up for fire, being reserved against the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. And God show us and make known to us His existence through His Word, the Bible. First Thessalonians chapter two verse thirteen says, "For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcome it not as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which also effectively in you who believe." Second Peter. Chapter 2, chapter 1, verses 2 to 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. One of Jesus' apostles, Apostle John, he is concerned about that people know, walk, and enjoy fellowship in the truth. Truth is important. It makes a difference what people believe and what the basis of faith is. Our faith must be grounded and rooted in the truth. The truth which is centered in the word of God and Jesus Christ. Second John chapter Second John verses 1 to 4. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. In truth and love, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. In fact, we know that Jesus referred to, to himself as the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14, verse 6. Then, We come to the quest for what is good. What is the right thing to do? How can we find moral purpose in our life? Do we have a standard of right and wrong? Right and wrong are not determined by what is legal. Just to give you some examples. In today's world, some recognize homosexuality as legal. But it is in the Bible, it is moral perversion. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 27 says that for this reason God gave them up to wild passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And the destruction of human life by means, by means of abortion in some countries has the sanction of civil law. But the practice is abominable before the eyes of the Creator. So you can see that when God's truth about design for men and women is suppressed, men and women will leave God's natural design for them and rebel against Him by misusing their bodies. When God's truth about the sanctity of life is being suppressed, innocent lives are being taken.
taken away by irresponsible people. The word good is frequently used to signify character which is tied to a person. You are a good person. This fellow, I think, is a good person. Brethren, those of you who are male, one day, one day, when your wife starts telling people that my husband is a good man, you marry in life with I used to study with old people, old couples. The wife will listen attentively, and when we talk about marriage relationship, the wife said, He is a good husband. So I believe all of us who are husbands, one day we wish that our wife would tell us that he's a good, this man is a good man. He is a good, on top of good man, good. Husband, very important. So the word good, you know, just like I said just now, is frequently used to signify character which is tied to a person. Christians are often told to be zealous for good works. We have been saved to do good works and not do good works to be saved. Don't forget about that. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 40, you need to be zealous for good work. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And Titus chapter 3, verse 8 says, And this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And Titus chapter 3, verse 14 says, Let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Recently, you see, look at the, the flood. Brethren, raise up to do good works, organize things, not only in monetary consideration, but also try to bring furniture up in a lorry to distribute. These are good works. To meet urgent, they, they really have an urgent need at that time. To meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. And Gal Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. What about the goodness of God? The goodness, the evidence of the goodness of God is being shown by the revelation of Himself to humankind in the intricacies of a brilliantly designed universe. That's why I show you in the scripture, Psalms chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show His handiwork. But God has not given evidence of His power and wisdom merely in the design of nature. His goodness is also manifest in the series of written documents which are contained in the Bible. The amazing unity of the Bible is fulfilled prophecies, is literally precision. All of these factors and many more testify to the fact 
that the scriptures are not of human origin. In addition to that, God has richly provided for us, mankind, all things for our, for our self-sufficiency on this planet. When Paul came to Lystra on his first missionary journey, he healed a man who had been unable to walk since birth. The effect of the miracle had a profound effect on the citizens of the city, and they sought to worship Paul and Barnabas. But Paul and Barnabas would have none of that. They encouraged the idolatrous folks of Lystra to turn from these vain things unto a living God, the creator of the universe. If you turn your Bible to Acts chapter 14, verse 17, then concerning the true God, Paul and Barnabas say, Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. In that, he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Another biblical writer, in the person of James, wrote in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now we ought to think deeply and reflect on the goodness of God because such reflections can motivate us to appreciate what God has done for human beings in order for us to serve Him and to a better life which glorify Him while we are on this earth. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise and some slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. You know, Peter suggested the long-suffering or the goodness of God is a reflection of his desire that no one be lost. And God also grants knowledge of the truth through repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-5, to who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And brethren, friends, finally, it is not good enough to find the truth. Not enough to establish goodness. I hope you also discover and nurture what is beautiful. Besides finding what is truth, desire to do good, we need to long for beauty in our life. I'm sure you all like beautiful things. Everyone likes beautiful things. See beautiful things. Want to be with beautiful people. It is kind of difficult to define what is beauty. I'm sure all of us heard, heard of beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Before my wife retired, uh, when I go preaching, she doesn't go with me. You know. 
everybody was curious who is Ong Eng Moon's wife. So they never see her. Ma. So a lot of time during gathering of people, people ask me, you know, hey, where is your wife? Huh? What she looks like? Huh? I say, go to the crowd. Huh? The more beautiful girl you can find. Huh? Well, maybe some of you back to defer with me and say this is only your opinion because you is in the eye of the beholder. Ma. That is where God's word breaks in in First Peter chapter three, verses one to three. If you have your Bible, turn we need to First Peter chapter three, verses one to three. Likewise, you wives. Be submissive to your own husband. That even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be warned by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct and company by fear, do not let your beauty be that outward adorning of arranging the hair, of wearing gold, or of putting on fine apparel. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. You know, this morning, Andrew talked about relationships between husband and wife. i tell you why it's always pressure. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Why is always special? Why is more special when she gives attention to her character more than her cosmetics. Her value system is not driven by what she looks like as much as what she is like. What did the Bible say? What she is like. She will be reverent and chaste or pure. Her chief concern will not be her outward appearance, but with the inner person. With developing a gentle and quiet spirit, which will result in considerate and kind. Gentle, quiet spirit. Very important. No? Some of the wives talk too much. No? Talk, 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 talk. Oh, telling us okay, lah, I tell you. So this quiet and gentle spirit. See, the Bible says that. It's of much importance. The scripture is saying that your unbelieving husband, your unbelieving husband can see the distinct difference in a Christian wife, compared to those unbelieving girls outside. Remember, brother and friends, your remember, sister, sister, your husband meets lots of other women outside, some of whom better looking than you, more feminine, got more sex appeal than you, dress better than you. Looks more beautiful than you. You need to inculcate the, those inner qualities and your good example may turn your unbelieving husband to God. Remember, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4 says that an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his wounds. If one tries to find If one tries to list beautiful things, he becomes exhausted. 
I, I told you, you know, the heaven declares the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Creation speaks of God who loves beauty in color, in performance, and in orderliness. You know, all of us, we like to have holidays. Some love to go to the seaside to enjoy the beauty of the sunrise or sunset. I can never see sunrise because I'm not a morning person. So probably you will see sunset. Some enjoy the variety, go to see a uh, mountainside, huh? want to enjoy the varieties of flowers in colors and types. Some enjoy the beautiful singing voices of singing from birds. Even the smile of friend, even the sparkle when you're in love, huh? in the love one eyes. Oh, that is beautiful, you know, sparkling on me. Each of these has an attractiveness difficult to define. But lovely and real. Professor William H. Davis, professor of philosophy at Auburn University, he says that man has aesthetic impulses which, though they vary in intensity from individual to individual, appear in varying manifestation among all peoples. Both Plato and Aristotle engage themselves in the discussion of beauty. Just as life is real and beauty is real. Thus, it appears logical that the creator of both must be alive and aesthetic. Apparently, only human beings have a contemplative faculty able to correspond to beauty. William H. Davis, professor of philosophy in Auburn University, observed man is the only creature or animal that decorates, and all men do it. You decorate a house. You decorate yourself. When you come and preach, you must put on a tie. You comb your hair. We all do it. Atheists has no trouble explaining either the existence of beauty or the appreciation of it. But an evolutionist yoked with a survivor of the fittest doctrine finds himself with nothing to say. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 to 29. Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like any of these. So, brethren, friends, besides morality and design, I want to believe that beauty is one of the solid pillars of theism, which is God exists. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm chapter 96, verse 6 says, Honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. In conclusion, it is a true fact that we are all sinners. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone will even dare to die. It is good because while we are 
sinners. God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than that, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to Him. How beautiful it is that God sent Jesus while we are sinners to die for us. That we can see the beauty of God that we can, through Jesus, we can be reconciled back to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoicing in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So brethren, we need to share with people how to live the true, good, and beautiful life from the pages of the scriptures. And we also know that from the scriptures, we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, let us live the true, good, and beautiful life. And in addition to that, we have to put on faith, hope, and love in our life. I thank you for your attention.